0: everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fuel Your Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint.
1: And I am Jim. Are you sure this time? Uh, I think so. I mean, that's what everybody's been calling me recently, so uh, it's what I've been answering to, so I guess it's good enough for government work.
0: Good enough. Hey, might as well. Uh, We want to thank you guys for welcoming us back into your ear holes again for this podcast that we love to do so, so very much. Uh, once again, if you're looking for us on the good old fashioned inner tubes, you can find us at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash fuel your fandom. You can also hit us up on Gmail, which
1: is fuel your fandom at gmail.com. And failing that, you can always use the backup Gmail address, which is fyf booking at gmail.com that's where you want to send your show suggestions your guest suggestions especially if they're you and as always your pie recipes if you're looking for us on Twitter you can find us at Fuel underscore Your we're at Fuel Your Fandom at Instagram and the latest and greatest episodes always go up first at your FuelYourFandom.Buzzsprout.com before getting neatly syndicated to all of the great places you buy your fine podcasts including Spotify Stitcher iHeartRadio and uh, pretty much anywhere else uh, you can. Yeah. you can Pick this kind Apple, of stuff up
0: Spotify. Yeah, hey
1: wherever you find us we're glad you find us Absolutely And uh,
0: also just a reminder As we round out this uh, Now we're finally into spoopy season Everyone's all happy about that How's it hanging
1: I'm David Pumpkins And I'm going to scare The hell out of you <laughs>
0: my wife is over the moon being in spooky season now but uh, as we wrap up into the holiday season here we are just on the verge of formally announcing our uh, fuel the future charity program Uh, our graphic designer has uh, been uh, slowly leaking out the artwork to us so we can get that program fully initiated but if you're looking to donate early and uh, kick off this season of giving you can hit us up on cash app Uh, which is Fuel Your Fandom on Cash App, or you can hit us up on PayPal or Venmo, also uh, Fuel Your Fandom, all one word. We made it pretty easy because we're pretty laid back and simple dudes, and uh, if we can't find it, no one else could find it, so there you go. But uh, feel free to to jump in and donate. Any donations would be uh, more than appreciated to that, and of course the objective for that is to put reading material and comic books and things like that in the hands of those who can't uh, afford it. So uh, looking forward to kicking that off formally and uh, doing some good work with that, getting some, uh, some comic books into the hands of those less fortunate. That's, that's my goal. That's my, my push to fuel the future is create new uh, fans in the, in the
1: only way I know how. So Jim, how you doing this week, man? You know, I think you and I are both uh, having a little bit of a rough go. We took um, a week, maybe even two weeks off of uh, doing this, this wonderful podcast, which we do love so much, uh, because we just had other shit going on. I mean, we, we mm-hmm. just had really full calendars. And then you and I both got sick. Um, you're, you're fighting a really persistent cough that, uh, I, I don't mean to blow up your spot about that because you're, you're doing a great job holding it back on the mic. Um, but it's, uh, you know, you've got, uh, a, a tickle in your throat and I've got 10 miles of gravel and bad road in my throat because I'm about four or five days into, uh, another course of antibiotics for strep throat. Again, it's the third fucking time I've got it this year. I don't know where it's coming from. (laughs) Every time it happens, I strip the bed, wash the sheets in hot, uh, wash the curtains. Um, But, you know, it just uh, seems to be a recurring thing for me this year, which is a pain in the ass. But, you know, you do what you have to do. You can't make me. You cannot make me. Licking doorknobs is a sublime joy that (laughs) I had to suspend during COVID, but now that everybody's vaccinated, that matters, and all the masks are off, the gloves are off too, man. I'm back to licking those doorknobs, and you can't do shit to stop me from (laughs) all the way over there.
0: Well, no, I cannot. Well, on that note, so one of the things that uh, uh, I've been doing on the podcast recently as a way of just kind of venting my frustrations and, and Jim, we've done this for the last couple podcasts, I want to put this back out there, is the uh, uh, the stealing the bit from uh, Family Guy, the you-know-what-really-grinds-my-gears bit. And I, I've kind of only come up with one thing that pisses me off this week, so that's good, right? I mean, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, the thing that I got this week, and uh, I'm not sure where everyone else is going to go with this, and, and I see this a lot on Facebook, primarily, is, uh, like, you'll see one of those really touching and moving posts, like support for, you know, uh, someone who's sick or LGBTQ people or, you know, someone who's uh, having a rough go. And then you'll see, like, a laugh react underneath of it. It's like, something super serious, but you'll see, like, a oh. laugh react under it. Like, uh, uh, like I, I, I want to say I was seeing something with, uh, like, there's a, a star facing mental health issues or, like, uh, Britney Spears, talking about Britney Spears' mental health issues and things like that. Really serious uh, topics where a lot of people are showing a real outpouring of love and emotion and, and respect. And and then you'll see those few people that do the laugh react or, or something super serious like uh, COVID numbers or, you know, calls for vaccinations or things like that. And you'll see a laugh react underneath of it. And I just get sick to goddamn death of it. It's It's so, I'm over it. I really am. I'm just over it. It's, it's such negativity for negativity's sake. And I'm just, I really, I'm tired of it. This this last year and a half has kind of worn on about it. And I'm just, I don't know. I've reached my wits end with it. So for all those people inappropriately throwing out the laugh react, fuck you. We're done with you. We don't need your negativity. You can have my negativity instead. So, I mean, yeah, that's there it. there
1: was a... <sighs> There was a, a a trend, a trend towards cruelty, callousness, thoughtlessness, and heartlessness during the, uh, the the years of the former guy, as we don't really speak his name around here, because you know they they sort of contextualize the, the zeitgeist, contextualize uh, cruelty um, and and ego and and things like racism and misogyny and homophobia and transphobia. They contextualize those things as being uh, not just uh, n- not bad anymore, but amongst a certain demographic kind of okay and sort of almost quasi patriotic to uh to hate own the other the and so yeah. yeah own the libs so anytime you know that somebody puts up something about COVID numbers or the lgbtq community there's always going to be some chowderhead that that logs a laugh react on it just because they they're they're ignorant they're stupid they're filled with hate they're bullies and there's just there's they're always going to be those people but yeah. sadly um when you know, I have this friend who's who's an attorney, and, and we were talking one night about, you know, why uh, th- that guy got elected and why he was so popular despite being so outwardly horrible. And he said, you know, I have this theory, and I, this is the one that I actually subscribe to. He said, you know... This guy, he is racist, he is sexist, he's misogynist, he's a hater, he's arrogant, he's an asshole. Every time he opens his mouth, just bullshit comes pouring out of it. But the reason why a lot of these folks identify with him is because most of these people who are fans of his are the same way. They grew up getting getting told that they're awful people because they are racist and they're full of hate and they're sexist and everything else. Then they look at this cotton care handy motherfucker and they, they they get the message that, hey, this guy's everything I am. He's also awful, but he gets to bang porn stars and playmates, he gets to be president, he gets to be rich, he gets to be on TV and own the libs. So maybe all the things that I am aren't that bad. So the fact that this guy was able to ascend to a position of power, influence, and, and, uh, and, and pr- uh, prominence is sort of like revenge in a way by proxy revenge for every teacher that failed them, every girl that rejected them, every, uh, you know, boss that fired them for being awful. Hey, maybe if this guy's all the same things I am, maybe I'm just not so fucking bad. And he's continued to have the influence over those people. Um, and, and contextualize their, their horribleness as being somehow superior, patriotic or desirable. And, and I don't know how we ferret out that cancer, you know, in this country. I don't know how we get rid of it. Um, you know, a couple of years of having a decent, compassionate president who maybe not was the guy who was my first choice, but who seems to be doing good things and, and who, who actually has a heart and a soul, uh, has not really reset the, uh, the, the button yet, but you know, hopefully we'll get there. Hopefully we'll get there and get back to the things that make this country great: our, our diversity, our compassion, um, our, our uh, ability to, to come together and solve problems. Um, it's going to take some time though, because you don't undo four years of damage overnight.
0: I agree. Well, hopefully we get there. Like I said, it's just kind of, kind of troubling. But I try to keep a stiff upper lip. I kind of try to keep my chin up, and uh, yep. I know the the better times are on the horizon. We just got to kind of push through it. But
1: uh, anyway, I keep all don't... six of my chins up. It's 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 what you got to do.
0: <laughs> well, we don't want to be exor- exceedingly negative. One of the cool things that we get to do on the Fuel Your Phantom podcast is. Uh, Look for people that we find would be uh, interesting guests, interesting people to to speak on different topics and and whatnot. And one of the cool things that I like to do is look out for brand synergy and things that I feel would match our brand with other brands and and kind of uh, bring us together. And one of the cool things that I've been doing is sending out emails every now and again. And recently I sent an email to a company whose products I partake in on the regular, which is very helpful. Uh, Because I don't have to convince myself or anyone else about the product. It's just something that I I fully believe in, something I've been fully on board with for a long while. And uh, I got an email back from this individual, which was fantastic. And we've been uh, conversing back and forth uh, over email and and just been really looking forward to this conversation. Now, uh, Jim, uh, it's no secret to you or anyone who's known me for a great amount of time. Jim, you've known me like 20 years, so... But uh, I'm a coffee addict. I I, really am. It's something that I uh, heavily partake in. Uh, Given my night owl schedule and the crazy shit that I put my body through, it's a necessity. Uh, And in fact, those you can't see me today, I'm wearing my uh, Philip J. Fry 100 cups of coffee shirt today because it's appropriate, I think. But uh, uh, to say that I love coffee would be putting it mildly. So when I reached out to one of my favorite brands... Death Wish Coffee, I got an automatic, almost automatic response uh, from today's guest uh, saying that he would be excited to come on the show and talk with all of you and talk with us and and just to have the full uh, Fuel Your Fandom podcast experience. So from the bottom of my heart, I want to welcome to the podcast, Mr. Jeff Iyer, the incredible Jeff himself from the Fueled by Death Cast podcast. Jeff, how you doing, man?
2: Hi guys, I'm doing excellent. It's awesome to be here on the show.
1: Well, we are excited. Yeah, We got to have a double shot here. of fuel today. Yeah, yeah. fandom and death—the two <laughs> things that are guaranteed in life. The only two things: fandom and death. Used to be death and taxes, but uh, a lot of these billionaires are ducking the uh, the second one. So, fandom and death. <laughs> right. Everybody experiences both, so we had to bring them
2: together today.
0: Jeff, how are you doing today, man?
2: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Like I said, it's it's great to be here. Uh, I love uh, your show, and I love the idea of being fueled by fandom because it doesn't matter. Like you said, you know, it's it's one of those those inevitable things in life. It, whether you're a complete nerd for something or you just I don't know like crocheting, you're still a fan <laughs> of it, right? Like exactly I mean, like that. it's something that like it's that not the nine to five it's the thing that fuels you after that that keeps you going and and i love that you guys are talking about that all the time
0: right and one of the things i try to remind everybody is is the way that we came up with the idea for this podcast back like uh, two three years ago when i when i created the podcast the idea was to be able to have these face-to-face conversations with people about the things that they are nerdy about about the things that i'm nerdy about and you really get to see them open up and gush and get effusive and 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 see that twinkle in their eye and, and and that sparkle of hope that maybe you don't see all the time because uh, for whatever reason, like day-to-day life, like you said, the 9 to 5 just kind of beats it out of you. So you want to be able to have that conversation that, you know, you could see the joy radiating out of people. And, and that's why I started this. And this, of course, started out as a face-to-face conversation. But as COVID hit and as the lockdown hit, it kind of changed the way that we do it. It ended up becoming more of an a online presence, which has actually been a, kind of a boon. Uh, I've been able to uh, interact with, with far more people that I may not have had the opportunity, the ability to interact with previously, uh, including uh, people like you, uh, yourself, because, I mean, you're all the way over in upstate New York, and I'm all the way over here. On the other coast, doing my thing, and of course... And goodness. I'm bridging
1: the gap here in Milwaukee in the heartland, yeah, so you know exactly. we're, we're pretty much all equidistant from each other, and uh, but it'd be the, the fact that we can all get together and, and have a conversation is uh, kind of miraculous, and uh, so we're going to try and make the most of that. Definitely.
0: So one of the things we like to ask our guests before we jump into any kind of topics that we're going to talk about is we kind of like to talk to them about the things that they're nerdy about, and just looking around uh, in your office, I can see some of the things that you're nerdy about. But uh, for those of us, because this is an audio medium, uh, if you want to uh, just kind of let us know what fuels your fandom, what are you into, bud?
2: Oh, man, where do I begin? So uh, when I was a kid, um, I fell really hard into comic books. Uh, Oh, yeah. I had a local comic book shop. um, Then it's funny, and I always tell this story. I had a local comic book shop that the guy that ran that shop was not – the romanticized version of the comic book shop that you might see today in, like, television or movies or stuff like that. For right. lack of a better term, this dude was an asshole. Worst episode ever. And um, <laughs> he, was, he was also a gatekeeper. He was very much a DC fan, which is fine, um, but basically shamed anybody who was not fully onto DC. He only put DC mm. books on the wall He only prominently featured all the DC stuff. He had some back issues, you know, so he had Marvel. And and at the time when Image was starting out too, you know, like, was featuring some of that. But, like, it was always all about DC. And I don't know if that's what pushed me more towards Marvel or not. But uh, (laughs) I became very, very, very much a Marvel fan. You're
0: part of the Marvel Universe. In other words, Excelsior.
2: And to this day... I, predominantly i am even though I, I i run the the gamut of of all books there there are so many indie publishers out there that are amazing and there's so many um like i said you know like i was there when image started and being able to see like you know like books like spawn like take off and stuff like that was just was incredible because it wasn't anything you were getting from the big two you know right but I just something always drew me to Marvel a little bit more than DC, and I think it was. I've I've thought about this at length actually, and I think it was as a child, um, especially growing up in upstate New York. Marvel dealt within the real world, and so did DC. Yes. But DC, you know, like Batman's in Gotham and and Superman's in mean, Met- Metropolis, it, yeah. so so it's that much more of that fictionalized thing. I'll never forget picking up an X Men book, and realizing that they were on i-95 and i was like i know that highway because i've driven that highway with my parents you know like and it like blew my mind or like picking up a spider-man book and having him swing through new york city and knowing exactly the street he's string- swinging through because i've walked down that street myself so you can recognize the landmarks exactly so i think like as a child i think i gravitated that towards that a little bit and um i also uh Fell head over heels into um, my favorite character as a child, still to this day, Wolverine. Um, I I oh, picked yeah. up I picked up a book. Lord. It was to date myself. This was right around the time <laughs> of um, uh, when Wolverine was losing his adamantium uh, for the first time. So it was right before that, and he got it ripped out by Magneto. And so I picked it up. That was that was issue seventy five. You 75. want
0: to know how dumb I am? Yeah, yeah, Fatal Attraction storyline. Fatal Attraction. used to have all, with with the uh, chromeie with the covering. holographic covers. Yes. Yeah, I had all yeah. of those.
2: Yeah. Um. So so that was right around the time that I started picking up that book and just fell head over heels for that character. And it's funny because cut to going to college and then leaving college and quote unquote uh, being an adult. And you know, like I kind of fell out of collecting comics for a while, and then. It wasn't until probably about, I want to say, almost 15 years ago, let's say like 12, 15 years ago, I started being like, you know, I have a job and a career now, and I, you know, I'm an adult, I can spend the money on what I want to spend it on, so I'm going <laughs> to start, you know, like, collecting comics again, and it was right around, the, it was right ar- before the Civil War storyline started happening in, in, in Marvel Comics, yeah. Not the not the movie, but the comic line. And I started collecting comics again at that point. And then I was like, I'm going to go on a quest. And because Wolverine was my favorite book at, when I was a kid, in fact, I had a subscription to Marvel Comics Wolverine. I'd not like a subscription to my local shop because, again, that dude was not the greatest dude for Marvel. <laughs> um, I literally had a subscription. So every single month, I got a Wolverine comic in the mail directly from Marvel, right? And so I had a pretty good chunk of that original, that volume two line. And I decided you know i'm gonna i'm gonna spend big boy money and i'm gonna i'm gonna try to put together the full line and about i think i i think i i got that quest about six five six years ago so i Gosh. i now i've now like that's like the pinnacle of of my childhood coming to adulthood where you know i i have this comic collection that i love and i have a lot of books from my childhood still and and you know like like i said like i've got batman i've got a, I've got a ton of, i love the walking dead i love saga Um, shout out to why the last man too, you know, like that just, that just hit as a TV show, like all those types of books, like, you know, I've got that kind of stuff, but like, I'm the most proud that I have every book that's ever came out that says Wolverine on the cover. I've got that book. So. Borderline obsessive completionism
1: is such an admirable thing. You know, if you've, get, if, if you've got that thing, then just being able to hunt down all of it, that's just, when you find everything, when you find those last couple of missing pieces, it's just, you know, as, as geeky as it is, I totally relate to that. There's there's no satisfaction that kind of equals that in, in this particular, in, in the geek world. Just finally having all of it. You can just take a breath and step back and right. just go kind of look back and admire your work. It's just a great it, feeling. Especially
0: when you find something that may be hard to find or, or a little bit more... Yeah. Uh, uh, not as commonplace. I had the same thing. Uh, I collect video game consoles and video games and handhelds and things like that. And and one of the things that I had been looking for a very long time for was Japanese, because I, I have every every handheld Nintendo's ever released except for the game and watches. Those are different. But every handheld system they've released, I have a version of it. So from the Game Boy to Game Boy Color, Game Boy Pocket, DS, 3DS, DSi, all that, I have every single model of everything that they've ever released. And one of the hardest things for me to get was uh, it was a Japanese-only release. It was called the Game Boy Lite. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was released in silver and in gold. And it was Japanese-only. So, I mean, you could find it online, but it's usually ridiculously expensive or, you know, messed up and beat up. And and so I was very cautious about how I... Because I could have bought just a regular old one off of eBay and it shitty stickers or bad you know battery doors or no battery doors or corrosion on the battery contacts things like that your typical wear and tear for a 30 something year old game system but i waited i bided my time and i eventually found it and when it came to me in the mail and it was it was perfect and like you said just that moment of completion that just oh i got this it's great now nintendo's gonna keep releasing systems so i'm gonna have to keep chasing that dragon just like Marvel Comics is going to keep releasing Wolverine. Ditto. I mean, yeah. he's one of their star characters. Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be a thing. But it's really neat to have that that completionist moment. And you know, really, just to have your thing.
2: It definitely is, and, and you said it too. You know, like I mean, again, if we're talking about fandoms, like, I mean, the, a completionist fandom. You know, that's that's that next level tier. You know, like because right. you know you can like yep. something, but then you want to own all of it, right? But then mm-hmm. that. That upper tier, like you just said, is holding out for that that better book. Like I have some books in my collection that I'm just happy I own them. Like I'll right. go, I'll throw it to a DC. I've got um, the first appearance of Poison Ivy, which is I think like oh. like a Detective Comics, like really early, like really really like back early, back in right? like
0: the fifties and sixties. Yeah, 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 it?
2: yeah. And it is the most garbage copy ever. You know, <laughs> like, the back cover's falling off. Like, it looks like somebody, like, used it as a tissue. And, like, it's just it's just the worst. But I own it, and I'm happy about it, you know? But, like, yeah. completing my Wolverine line, one of the biggest ones that was hard for me to find was Wolverine number 10, which is the first time that he fights Sabretooth. And I found... Oh. A, I actually mm. had found a copy in a comic shop Um, that was like the the edges were foxed and like the the back cover was a little bit you know like sun bleached and I almost bought it and I was like you know what I'm gonna hold out I'm gonna wait and I did and I waited and it took me about a year and a half and then I found a copy that I'm proud to own because it was like a gem of that collection that to me it was like I want to complete this collection but there are certain books that I want to be like those pristine ones just like you said with that console you know yeah Yeah, so
0: And just something nerdy, Jim. I know I showed you, but uh, today is my birthday. My wife gave me my presents Woo-hoo! last night, so I didn't uh, overburden myself with it today. And and, and I, I think it's a wonderful thing. Like, you, are you familiar with the uh, the NES Classic console that they put out a few years ago? Yeah, where it's the little the little tiny console that has like thirty games on it. Yep. There's a uh, and I told her. I said I knew exactly when you bought this because there was only one left on Amazon. And as soon as you bought it, I got an alert saying it's out of stock. So she's like, well, that sucks. And I'm like, nah, not for me. I hate surprises. But she <laughs> bought me. It's a it's it's a Japanese console release. It's the NES classic, but it's from the Japan version. So it's the Famicom classic mm-hmm. with like the little tiny controllers attached to the back. And I haven't plugged it in yet, but it, it's it's freaking beautiful. And that's it's, awesome. Uh, it, it sits in. I got this. One here. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna probably edit this part out of the conversation. But you see that little gas cabinet yeah. there? Yeah. Yep. She got me that from an auction house this last week, and uh, because the podcast is called Fuel Your Fandom and all that's that, that's so and, rad. And uh, so it lights up. And every shelf in there, I have uh, a corresponding fandom. So on the bottom shelf, it's my my big, huge masterpiece level Transformers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another shelf with the smaller versions. And then I got lightsabers on another shelf. And and then those classic consoles on another shelf. And it's just something really, really Nerd! Neat. Nerd!
2: Oh, yeah, right?
0: <laughs> like I'm the only one here. Yeah,
2: well.
1: Look
0: behind I, it's, you, pal. Yeah, I, I,
1: can, I can, this is not a slur anymore. I'm taking it back. It even was a slur. I could say it because, you know, I, I uh, some of my best friends are nerds. <laughs> uh, you know, including, up to including myself, but I'm looking over, like, I'm totally shoulder surfing, uh, at, at some of Jeff's decor over there, and I'm seeing, like, Carpenter's The Thing poster, I'm seeing, I almost wore my Ghostbusters shirt, you got a Ghostbusters is, is hanging out on the wall, you got some Simpsons, you got some Star Trek, so, uh, yeah, I, I was also super excited to have this, this conversation, because, uh, you know, nerdiness is just such a, um, you know, they always say the, 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 the meek shall inherit the earth, and then mm-hmm. that got amended to the geek shall inherit the earth, but, you know, I really feel like, in a way, um... The 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 nerds sort of already did inherit the earth because uh, we might have gotten beaten up in high school. I mean, I never did. I was I was always like a huge kid. I'm like six five, but they I didn't play football, so I was still like a pariah. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I mean, um, we sort of run everything now. I mean, between the world runs on technology, mm-hmm. and so you know whether or not you sort of agree with uh, the billionaire class, nonetheless, you got folks like Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk who are kind of. Uh, who sort of are the guys who are are coming out with all the stuff that we all use every day and and we all look up to and uh, y- you know these guys are nerds yeah um, so it just really makes me happy to see when uh, when the, the ascended nerd uh, somebody who maybe had to deal with like a, a shitty comic book guy exp in high school who uh, kept the marvel behind the counter like it was porn and shamed yeah. you for wanting to look at it um, but then uh, you know you grow up and like you said you get a little bit of big boy money and you start kind of indulging that stuff <laughs> a little bit. And um getting back to uh, the kind of the roots of what made you you and what brought you to the
2: place where you are in life now well the the greatest thing is is like we got to all experience nerddom change like actually thematically you know like mm-hmm. I mean like you just yeah. said it like you know growing up you might not I got beat the hell up in school for having comic books in my backpack you know like oh, or, yeah. or, or you know talking about Star Wars incessantly because it's awesome. You know, and like and and Star
0: Trek and Star Wars, Star Trek and Star Wars,
2: you know, like but (laughs) we got to see we got to see that not only these people, you know, who who liked this stuff or who had a hand in this stuff are now running the world, like you said, running the the entertainment industry even. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the entire zeitgeist of nerd has switched. I remember being in the 80s and like, you know, there was this trope in movies and television where. You know, the jock or the cool kid, let's call him, you know, in that in that story that's being told, the big reveal would be, oh, he likes Star Wars, too. Or he's a Dungeons and Dragons fan or he's like a something. And like that's like the the oh, my God, like, you know, Johnny football player. He also happens to be a nerd. And that was the reveal. You can't tell that story anymore because that reveal doesn't make it doesn't matter. It doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it's right. It's now it's now like wait you don't like Star Wars you don't like comic books like they still make you yeah like like <laughs> and you know so it's like it's it's cool to like see it's cool to see the the actual term nerd change that way it's cool to see yeah. fandoms change to the point where you know they were toxic at one point you just said it yourself like um star wars and star trek again growing up in the 80s and 90s you know like that's like metal and punk rock like that's a argument you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna god forbid you
0: like both of them
2: exactly you know and i've always been in the camp even as a kid that like i've never understood that argument because and obviously this is another conversation that we don't have to get into but i mean like like that's 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 they're two separate things. Star Wars is fantasy. Star Trek is science fiction, period. Like, absolutely. Like, you don't have to draw that line in the sand. And I've always said the same thing, even on the music side of it. Like, again, you know, in the 80s like, oh, metal and punk rock like you have to like one or the other. No you don't cuz they're two different types of music and you could like them yeah. both and your life is better for enjoying them both. Like, Absolutely. And you're
1: right. Being at this stage in life, so, you know, Star Trek and Star Wars and and superheroes, they've gotten to the point where it, they're kind of like the Beatles or pizza. Like even if you're not like an obsessive fan that buys merchandise and goes to shows and everything, somebody everybody's a fan of that stuff on some level. You can't exist as a carbon-based life form in this in this time and not be aware of Marvel to, and, and never have seen an episode or, or, or a, uh, a, f- a film of Star Wars. Uh, and so that's just really, it's such it's a great place to be. It really is. It, it one totally of the really is.
0: neat, one of the neat things for me is, is I thought my favorite book growing up would never have any kind of representation in the Geekosphere at this point. I thought it was a real, just a throwaway kind of book. I thought like I was in the minority for liking it as much as I did. And this may sound pandering, but this is absolutely true. I had, just like you with Wolverine, I had every issue. Every issue. I went back and searched them out and found them. What if? Yes. That was my book back in the day because I love that speculative nature of the comic book. I like that idea that you change one thing and just watch it go off the rails in a different direction. And I loved that. Mm -hmm. I am the Watcher. But uh, I was able to see this comic that I loved growing up uh, become adapted for the big screen and see some of these big uh, concepts be translated to the small screen and the MCU at large. And it's just been a wonder to behold this last episode. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. It just did you watch that Jeff? Yo, you watch
2: what if? it's an it's insane. I, I I was a fan of What If myself, and and to be able to yes. see this show, I said when they when they announced the show about a year and a half ago that they were going to do it. I was like, I hope this show runs for ninety seasons because yes. there's just you can there's do so much there, so
0: much you can do with it. You
2: can do whatever you want, you know, and 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 again, you know, that speaks to the fandom too because that you can just open up the egg of you know the bubble of a fandom and and. Even if the people out there who might not be a fan of superhero movies, let's say, you know, or whatever, you know, like might gravitate towards something like that because it's so off the cuff and it's animated and it's and it's different and it's and it's this different type of story. You just have to have that open mind to it. I I always hate. Absolutely. I always hate the dismissiveness in now in like even in 2021, you know, like the dismissiveness because, oh, this is born from a comic book or this is born from a fantasy novel or or, or whatever you know it's like like walking
0: um, dead or like or like why the last man or right. things like that
2: Well I mean what was it last year or the year before uh the um Scorsese made the news for saying that you know yeah. Mar- Marvel uh, Marvel movies are, and and superhero movies in general are just roller coaster rides They're just butter popcorn there's nothing there and it's like clearly sir I respect your work you know I I respect yeah. what you do but clearly you're not giving an open mind to any of this and just saying, Oh, it's just the funny papers and and that where it goes. Right. Like how can you say that comic books as a medium, you know, aren't uh, you know aren't aren't worthwhile or they' just kids fair when they attract people like, you know, Alan Moore or Tanahisi Coates, you know, to write stories for them, or they or they attract, you know, like um uh Frank Frazetta to like draw for them. Like how do you how do you, how yeah. can you say that this is this is just child's fair? I I don't know if you guys are fans of this television show, but I always I cite this a lot because it's funny because it was done as a joke. But um uh, the show Parks and Recreation um mm-hmm. there's a there's a scene in there there there's a there's a premise in there where the main characters in the town are going to have a uh, time capsule, right? And mm-hmm. um this one guy in the town is making a case to put the Twilight books in the time capsule. And the joke is is that, ah, you know, who gives a shit about Twilight? And myself included, I'm not the fan of really of that series or anything, but the underlying theme of what the joke is, is that this guy is making a case that there is so much in this fandom that is a part of him being in this town that it means something to put it in this time capsule which I think speaks towards fandom in general you know like I mean yeah it, it, just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not valid you know? And I'm yeah. glad
1: you mentioned Scorsese because that guy, I mean, I, I, again I also, I love his work, he's, he's obviously one of the legendary great American directors for a reason, but that whole you know, this isn't cinema thing is just very get off my lawn, because like to, to, to build off the thing you said before about how there aren't any of those barriers anymore there's there's so many on-ramps into different fandoms that are, that are prevalent, that are worth getting into, that just you know, only a sour nature of like looking down on things would would preclude you from really doing that and it kind of ties into what you said before about how you know you used to have to pick punk or metal you used to pick star wars and star trek the jocks and the nerds and ne'er the twain shall meet but now i keep reading stories about how joe manganella hosts a weekly dungeons and dragons game yeah I love and that. that's I near really and dear really to my good. heart because i i grew up in Lake geneva wisconsin home of tsr and people who have heard the episodes uh, that we've talked about this before i've had to listen to me prattle on about this ad nauseum but i grew up rolling dice thinking it was like a local cottage industry it wasn't until i got out into the world at large and i had friends looking to start groups that i thought oh this D&D thing is bigger than I thought and then you read about guys like Joe Manganiello who's you know he's he's an actor he's a big handsome ripped to the nostrils kind of dude I mean he's, he's married to Sofia Vergara for fuck's sake and he literally played the jock bully in the in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies who's Flash Thompson yeah. and he's out there you know rolling up characters and uh, you know rolling dice and I, I the, the fact that those barriers don't exist anymore uh, I think is, is just really beneficial for everybody because you don't have to pick a camp to identify with. That just the, the a whole essence of, of of nerddom, and Kevin and I have talked about this before, is just about breaking down barriers and kind of you know getting rid of tribalism. And if you're a gatekeeper, like the guy at your comic book shop, or if you're somebody who says, oh, you're, you're, you're into uh, Nirvana, name three songs. Oh, you're into uh, D, in Marvel? Then uh, who's your favorite superhero? Oh, yeah, you're not a real fan. Fuck that shit. You know, You're doing it wrong. If you're doing it wrong, you don't have any... I, like you said earlier, like uh, being into to Marvel, and we talked about this previously on other episodes. Stan Lee was one of the first people to really promote the idea through allegory, obviously, of um, of breaking down barriers of racism, of classism, of all that shit when he had like the X-Men. Here you have a group of people who are different and it's during the civil rights era that those guys came out and started becoming prevalent on the page and through the 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 storytelling tools that he had available by using these characters who are different and some people reject them, other people want them to be superior, other people kind of, you know, accept them. It's it's a giant romana clay for what's actually happening in society and people didn't really see that or appreciate it till years later. So, fuck the gatekeepers. If if you're if you're exclusionary about your fandom, you're really doing it wrong. There's room for all of us. It's a giant tent. Come on in. We got something for everybody.
2: Yeah, gatekeeping is is the most toxic thing in in all fandom, and it, and it always happens because I mean you yep. discover something right, and you hold it near and dear to your heart, and then you know someone who might not be your same age group, your same generation, your same you know level of fandom uh, will come in and you know maybe express themselves differently and then you feel you you feel attacked by it oh you don't understand you don't get it like i get it you know like this means more to me like i'll tell you this like i'm a giant star wars fan you know like i um you know i was i grew up in the 80s so i was too young to see them in theaters when they came out but like you know immediately my dad sat me down you know and, and had me watch new hope and empire and return you know like when i was very young and and became you know completely obsessed with that entirety of it and i remember and going, the boba fett and stormtrooper helmets i can see behind you means it really took it really did and <laughs> yeah. you know I, like i remember being in the theater opening night for phantom menace and yeah. i remember you know having to wrestle with this isn't my star wars and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and immediately being, being, cause like, you know, in 99, I was like, I was an angry kid and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, like screw Jar Jar Banks, screw, you know, like all this CG and like, you know, like Darth Maul is cool, but like, what the hell is everything else? <laughs> you know, like, and, and I remember leaving the theater feeling like immediately, like, I don't know, disenchanted by, Defensive by what and I, and yeah. but yeah, by what yeah. I had done and it took me It took me a while to reconcile that and realize that, sure, this might not be exactly the way I wanted the story to go. This might not be exactly, you know, the way that I pictured the fandom going. But the fandom was getting extra layers. It was continuing. And there are kids that grew up and then that was their Star Wars. You know, like Anakin as a kid was what they strive to be and and you know qui-gon was their yoda like they like there are kids that grew up with that and for me to shit on that and take that away from them is is gatekeeping it's shitty you know and it it took me a while to even realize that like and come to terms with that it It is kind of generational because
0: then you come around to it yeah it's super encouraging to hear you say that because we, me and Jim have had that conversation a number of times, whereas we've had to both sit back in our fandoms and go, okay, like you say, yeah. this isn't you know, the way I would have wanted it. This isn't necessarily the way I have pictured it, but maybe this isn't for me. You know, uh, I'm not always going to be the intended audience right and for a lot of things now getting retooled and redone for a, a modern sensibility for a modern audience we had this talk when we were talking about uh kevin smith's masters of the universe revelation when it came out is he got a lot of shit because oh well here's this uh continuation of this story we grew up with in the 80s oh and they're focusing on Tila as a character what the hell right and it's like uh first of all it says masters of the universe. It doesn't say he-man uh-huh. anywhere on the title. Teela was a master of the universe. That was she was one of that team, one of that franchise's Man. team of heroes. And totally. so to have a story that focuses on her growth and development, how dare they? You know. But at the same point, you have to look and realize Netflix also re- released another uh, he-man on the Masters of the Universe cartoon. Uh, done by the same people who do the Troll Hunters cartoon and everything mm-hmm. like that, and it's a just a rampantly different retelling of uh, the whole He-Man mythos. And I watched it because my daughter wanted to watch it. My daughter was a fan of uh, the Troll Hunters cartoon. She's a fan of all of the Netflix animations, The Dragon, How to Train Your Dragon, and all that. And so I sat down and watched it with her. She loved it. Mm-hmm. She loved it because it spoke to her. Yep. And I had to sit back and, and take a look at it and go, look, this is speaking to her in a way that those old He-Man shows spoke to me. Mm-hmm. The way those old Transformers and ThunderCats and all that shit that I grew up loving spoke to me. This is her time. This is And isn't I think that speaks
1: me. to that really speaks to a, a sort of phenomenon that we don't talk about enough in the popular culture and that's something that Jeff's just touched on where <clears throat> whatever on ramp, whatever moment that you identify with a particular piece of entertainment you tend to cling on to that as being like cling on
2: <laughs> you have no honor <laughs> cling on to
1: that as being like the um the definitive version for yourself whether it's oh the music was better when i was a kid um or gosh saturday night live hasn't been good since the 80s when you know eddie murphy and dana carvey were on um you know i've been a fan of snl for a long time just to kind of use that as an example and i've been watching it for years so i mean that's SN- i identify with snl because we're the same age uh, we both debuted in the world in '75, yeah. so being able to watch it kind of grow and change, and see new people come in and go out, and they just announced the new cast for this year, and, and some people are leaving, some other people are coming. It, it's the nature of that; is that it changes all the time. So for anybody to be like, "Oh, my Star Wars was better, my SNL was better, my music was better," no, it's just when you identify with it and your your, your particular development, your coming of age as sort of like realizing who you were, identifying what your preferences were, and the kind of things you liked. That's just where you entered into it, so yeah, Jeff's right, to deny somebody else the opportunity to, you know, come into it on their own terms, at their own time, um, is is just, yeah, it's, it's a really shitty thing to do, to the point where, like, maybe, you know, and I had the same reaction that you did, Jeff, like, what is this Jar Jar Binks shit, what is all this CG, why don't we get back to matte paintings and models, uh, technology and all that, but... Then I, by the time that, that was when I was you know younger and stupid, and so then by the time that the new trilogy came around, and you can say anything you want about Last Jedi, you can say anything you want about the the most recent trilogy, but the fact that there were a lot of these toxic woke fanboys who were bitching about this isn't my Star Wars just because oh well, we used to have Han, Luke, and Leia, and now we got a Latino guy and a, and a a guy a man of color, and then a woman. Well, that's that's not my big three. You know they all have to be white. Well.
2: Being oh, yeah. able to, and that
1: that yeah that whole thing why is everything got to be woke now why is everything got to be a female reboot or like you know have got gay characters in it well you know what because women and LGBTQ people exist and they deserve representation too all the heroes you grew up watching you know Indiana Jones and and Luke Skywalker and and uh, all all the stuff that you the, you watched when you were a kid that you projected yourself on that you identified with now everybody gets to have a hero that they can watch on the screen that looks like them that loves like them that acts like them that has their Attitudes and, and, and experiences so everybody deserves that so yeah, I mean it took it, the whole life cycle of Star Wars I'm a kid. There's like lightsabers and lasers and spaceships and it's cool Then what is all this CGI shit? And why do we have to deal with Jar Jar Banks all the way to the most recent trilogy? It's awesome to see representation I mean, I feel like in a way it's kind of the life cycle of that franchise has sort of reflected what it needed to at the time in order to be able to Give the people that were existing fans and coming into it what they needed to appreciate the progress.
2: I totally agree. And I, I feel like, you know, we're on a cusp. When we talk about generationally, I feel like we're on a cusp of a new world of fandom. And, you know, it's something that it's a, it's an idea that's really just started to generate in my mind in the last year or so, so I don't even have it fully fleshed out. But this idea that, like, we, the three of us talking right now, we're lucky enough, like, using Star Wars as an example, right? We're lucky enough yeah. to have experienced it from its origin and have continued through that story right which lots of times you know things don't even get all of that you know decades of story and all of that and different mediums and you know television animation comics all that stuff like like you know it's it's been able to add all of these layers to it but you have kids now who are now maybe in college who grew up enjoying the same fandom that we hold near and dear, but their doorway might have been Clone Wars, you yeah. know? And everything else was outside of that. Everything else was backstory, back you know? And so they've got this other mentality of the same fandom, the same love, the same characters, the same story, but they have this this other this love that the three of us can't put a finger on, right? They're going to get out of college. And if they're creative and they want to pursue that type of stuff might be creating these new fandoms that we can't even fathom at this moment, which is pretty cool to think about when you, when when you really think about that. Like I, I wonder what that's going to do to future generations because you go, but even before our generation, there wasn't even as many fandoms like the biggest fandom before our generation for kids let's say was westerns right like like yeah. the superhero was the cowboy the superhero was and i'm not even gonna like we don't have to talk about like john wayne or, or, or roy rogers or stuff like that but the superhero was that ideal of i'm the guy with the guns on my hip who's gonna go out and win the day, right? That was the Iron Man of the time. So, like, all of the kids back then had that. But when you talk about representation, who's being re- represented there? You know, like yeah. a, a, a young white male, probably? Like, you know... Square-jawed white dude? Right, yeah. you know, so it's like... So, it, even then, the fandom was so finite and so, so you know, in on itself. And now, with fandoms and, you know, the inclusivity that we have, and, and like I said, like... Phantoms that have this length of and breadth of life to them, hopefully inspiring people to do the thing you brought up Kevin Smith just recently and I, I love Kevin so much um, mm-hmm. and one of, the, one of my favorite things that he's ever said is, is you know, even speaking to what he did with He-Man, it's like, if you want to do the thing or you want to, you've, gotta, you've got some sort of voice about the thing that you love go do the thing. Go do it. Don't don't sit there and don't say, oh, well, I'm not creative or I can't do that. It's like, fine. Figure out a way to be a part of the production of the thing that you want to go in the right direction, right? Like he yeah. did that with movies. That's why he made Clerks is because he was like, I want to see a movie that does this. And that's what kickstarted his career to the point where he's, you know, written comic books, has directed television shows that of fandoms and has now done even things like He-Man where yeah. he's been at the helm and he's like this is how I want this to go it's not about I'm gonna appease it for the fandom and I'm gonna do that it's like this is my voice I worked to this point to make that happen so I'm gonna do that so go do the thing yeah Clerks yeah, is my favorite movie of all the time change, I've seen yeah. it
1: a couple of hundred times, because it it really oh, yeah. it does have that DIY spirit, that sort of scrappy... You know, the fact that it looks like it was shot on the security camera. It was made famously for like $27,575. He sold some comics to fund it. That kind of stuff. It, he, he is, in many ways, the Ascended fan. And to be able to, to do that... But, yeah, the other thing about that movie that always kind of got me was that there were a lot of movies, as soon as, like, Generation X had a name, as soon as they, they cottoned on to that Douglas Copeland thing and started naming us Generation X, um, the, the kids with their Doc Martens and their flannel and their crazy grunge music and all that, um, Hollywood started trying to put out movies to kind of cater to that demographic. And we had stuff like Reality Bites and Singles and uh, Before Sunrise, and they were good movies. But then Clerks came out, and it was very much for us, by us. It was, it was by a guy who had a dead-end job at a convenience store, who wanted to make a movie about hanging out, talking about sex and Star Wars, going nowhere in life, and that was the first time that I can remember seeing a movie that I actually identified with. I thought, yes, these are the conversations I've had with my dumbass friends. This is the kind of, we just sit around lamenting our lot in life, but because we're slackers, we don't really have the motivation to change anything. Totally. But we have dead-end relationships, and we, we, we reminisce about high school, and we talk about Star Wars. It's that kind of shit, and then I watched it, and that's when I started getting interested in screenwriting. And that's been something that has been a thing that's been in the back of my head for a long, long time. Because of that exact sort of like, hey, you know what? If you... Be the change you want to see in the world. It also extends to entertainment. It also extends to fandom. If you see something that you like that inspires something in you, great. Go forth and create a thing. Make the thing you want to see. Make the thing you want to read. Make the thing you want to listen to. And that attitude has really informed so much of what's come out. And that's why I think it's getting better.
2: Totally, totally. I had to ask then, are you excited about uh, the third one that he just he I just really am, in? you know.
1: I, I really, I watched uh, the second one thinking to myself, you know, the audacity of this bastard to try and make a movie that follows up my favorite right. film. He better bring it. He better do it, you know. And then I watched it and I thought, God damn it, he's done it again. Because at I that miss point, my I mean, donkey. I miss my donkey. <laughs> right. As much as I love Kevin, the musical number and the whole thing, as much as I love Kevin Smith, and I do, um, he's made some questionable decisions in the last couple years. I, <laughs> Toss- what was up with Yoga Hosers? What <laughs> happened with Tusk? What the hell was that all about? I'm not saying that if you, that you, because I don't agree with this idea that if you're a creator that has a fan base for like a certain thing, that means you constantly have to return to the well and right. just give people that same thing over and over again. You should, as a creator, be allowed to stretch. Um, and if you do something for yourself, if you do something for a different chunk of your fan base, cool. If it's not for me, you've built up enough career goodwill over the years with me that I'm gonna oh, okay. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm, it's not really for me, but I can see it could be for some people, and I'll just hang out until the next thing you do, and we'll we'll check it out and see if that's more my speed. But um, yeah, so I watched the second one, and I, I was I did not expect to enjoy it as much as I did because I thought, how dare you? Um, so now I have uh, I have high hopes for number three because it really looks like it just looks. I mean, I've seen some of the I, I follow He's him on, on real Instagram and Twitter, with and this one. Yeah, yeah, he really is. I mean, addressing his after he,
0: attack and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: After he had his health issues, he's like, I want to examine what it means to be somebody who's older, who maybe has yeah. kids, who maybe is is like looking at, um, you know, looking back at at shitty conversations about cheating in high school and Star Wars and kind of has a new perspective on that stuff. So that's what I appreciate. That's what I've loved about video games for years, is I kind of chose a hobby that matured along with me. As a kid, I was enthralled that I had a stick in my hand that could move pixels around the screen. And now I'm like, oh, this is a sandbox. It's only good for 300 hours. Oh, I'll probably still pick it up when it goes on sale. So to see Kevin Smith like start off with like kids in dead-end jobs having crazy conversations through... Trying to figure out what to do with like a quasi midlife crisis through like really following through that storyline, being able to choose creators and being able to identify with creators that belong to the same demographic that I do that have had a lot of the same experiences, so that I can watch how their entertainment evolves and how it continues to speak to me at different points in my life as I also theoretically go through some of the same things. It's just such a gratifying thing to have. It really is.
2: That's awesome, and I gotta say I'm also excited to see like obviously his career keep going, but like to see that the the, the yeah. The bookend of Clerks 3 and and that all that come out. And I'll tell you guys, actually, this is the first time I'm actually saying this out loud. So you guys will get oh, that. Oh, we're making some speak. news today. But uh, yes. well, it was really great. One of the greatest things about my job is being able to connect with creatives all the time and... We we were lucky enough with Deathwish Coffee to be able to caffeinate the crew of Clerks Three, so hopefully oh. that hopefully that, that it doesn't go too um, crazy and the and the sh- scenes aren't really quick, <laughs> but um, <laughs> we were able to caffeinate them. I do know for a fact that uh, Kevin is not a coffee drinker. He um, famously does not Ooh. really like a lot of caffeine. He um he he likes his marijuana now, which is good, and you he, know, he's he he more into uh, that.
1: things that mellow you out than yes, pump you exactly. up. Yeah. But uh,
2: I do know because uh, I've talked to him a couple times about it. I do know that uh, uh, his cohort there, Jay, is a big fan of of Deathwish, and and so hopefully Well, that boy's got a lot more manic energy. Yeah, so That hope- makes sense. Hopefully we, and... we, we got the real big Jay coming out of there because a little bit more caffeine on set. So that was that was. Well, really I'm glad great. they got a real brand in there,
1: and not just a real brand, but a real worthy brand, because obviously like nails, cigarettes, and uh, you know different <laughs> things that they've had to make up for the movie. But that actually brings us to um, another point that I hope the conversation would evolve to, and that is. That is coffee. That is coffee. Yes. I, I wanted to kind of once we got you here. I mean, getting the fandom stuff and, and kind of chewing on that is a lot of fun. But um, obviously, Kevin and I are both fans of coffee, big fans of coffee, and obviously you are too. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing what you do. Perfect. So, um, what's 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 the lowdown on coffee, man? What's happened in the world of beans? So, How, how's things going over there? And what can you tell us about uh, about the coffee? Right. Because um,
0: Wednesday, this last Wednesday, as of our recording today, was National Coffee Day. It's
2: true. Yeah.
0: So, so how, how did y'all at Death Wish celebrate that too? By the
2: way. Well, Death we wish. celebrated it pretty crazy. We um we now have our first ever retail store right where our offices are in uh right on Broadway in Saratoga Springs, New York, which is awesome. And so we had a big party, and we kicked off. Uh, as we're recording this, it's still going. Uh, we kicked off a giant sweepstakes with something we've never tried before. In fact, I I. I'm telling everybody out there, don't Google this. We invented this. We're giving away free coffee for life, which is crazy. Um, so any purchase made on deathwishcoffee.com from National Coffee Day, which is September 29th, all the way to October 28th, will enter you. Every time you make a coffee purchase, you get another entry, and one lucky winner is going to literally win free coffee for life, which is crazy. Yeah, exactly. And you had because my I'm attention. on the show. Because I'm on the show, <laughs> I'll do I'll do the plug for you guys. For anybody who's listening out there, go over to deathwishcoffee.com, make that coffee purchase, enter to win free coffee for life but and check out, make sure you use the code fuel your fandom and you'll get 10% off your purchase as well. Um, yeah, because of that's that. What's up? But we had we have a giant uh Deathwish Coffee truck. It's 32 feet long. It's jet black. It blares back Black Sabbath every time I drive it down the highway. It's great. Um we had that outside of our our, our, our our uh our retail shop. And then because we're giving away free coffee for life, the, the sweepstakes we're calling till death do us part. Because the idea is, is we're gonna marry somebody <laughs> for life, basically, with coffee, right? So we had a giant like coffee arch, like a like a like a altar, you know, like that you'd get married in. We had a coffin in store that you could take pictures in, and we had a bunch of new merchandise. It was it was an amazing event and it was a lot of fun. And I gotta I say, do. yeah, I do exactly. <laughs> I gotta say, working in this industry, I I tell people this all the time. I thank my frickin' lucky stars all the time that I get to work for for an incredible brand like Deathwish Coffee, but also in the coffee industry because of everything that the world went through in 2020 with the worldwide pandemic. Yeah. A lot of businesses, big and small, found a lot of hurdles. Whereas the coffee industry actually thrived. And and that is because you couldn't go outside anymore, go to your local com- your coffee shop or I almost a comic shop, but some comic shops sell coffee. But um, you know, your local coffee shop and get your coffee or stop at Dunkin or, St- or Starbucks or wherever the heck you're going, you know, like your normal routine. You never didn't you didn't get that. So people were stuck in their homes still wanting that delicious coffee and so they had to they had to buy it and have it delivered. So um, you know, I was very very thankful to work in an industry that was still being able to do okay when you know so many weren't and because yeah, there's of- a
1: there's a reason why coffee is i remember reading somewhere that coffee is the most hotly traded commodity in the world i mean it's, it's either it's kind of neck and neck with oil but yes. i mean as huge as the oil industry is that should tell you just how much people gotta have their morning cup i mean it's it's such a big deal so yeah i'm, I'm you know that's people being at home and not being able to, to pull through the drive-through or, or get whatever it is that they usually would get in the mornings um it's just a godsend to be able to have you know death wish to be able to uh to, to get you you know to wake you up in the mornings because we're all working from home or at least i was and still am so uh you know being not, able to just me, roll but... out of bed and, and and brew a nice big cup and, and and being able to kind of get get started on your day is, is uh, it really is a fantastic thing and i'm, I'm so glad that uh you guys not only were able to kind of weather that but come out way ahead on it it's it's it's, it's fantastic
2: it's it, it is awesome and you know and i i really even though yes i'm getting paid to talk about it because i i do work <laughs> for the brand but i really do I, I i have a lot of passion for this brand and that's what this brand is all about one of our biggest tenements is is fueling people's passion that is literally written on our walls like we in in our offices hey they, ours too like that's that's what <laughs> we want to do we want to be obviously the cup of coffee that you pour in the morning, but we want to be, we want to be there with you while you're doing the things you love, or we want to fuel you during the shit that you got to get through to get to the shit that you Absolutely. love, you know, like that's right. what we're really all about. And, um, you know, we bill ourselves as the world's strongest coffee. We really are. And in fact, uh, not only that, we are the galaxy's strongest coffee because we've sent our coffee up to the astronauts twice And yeah, um, and but I mean, regardless of all of that, you know, it's a brand that you can get behind because there's you know, you can say, oh, well, Folgers is Folgers or, or I can I can name a bunch of different brands out there, you know, but we really invest ourselves in the community of people that invest in us. And that's that's what we build our brand upon. Um, Mike Brown, our founder and owner of the company, when he started the, the company, he started it because of his customers. He had a failing coffee business in Saratoga Springs, New York. It was a coffee shop, and he just was looking for a way to like, add income to it. And people were coming into his coffee shop and being like, give me the strongest cup of coffee you had. And back in 2011, he literally Googled, <laughs> what is the world's strongest coffee? And Google said, there's no such thing. So, you know, one of those light bulb million dollar moments when he goes, I'm going to figure that out. I'm going to figure out how to make that happen. And he did. And it was all because he wants to make sure that his customers, the people that are investing in him and in what he wants, you know, he wants to invest back in them and give them what they want. And that and that was where we started. And that's what we still strive to do to this day as a company.
0: Well, I'll tell you one of my uh, Death Wish stories, and I don't know if there's a good story or a bad story or somewhere in between, but I'll let you be the judge. Uh, like I said, I've been drinking Death Wish for years and years and years and years and years, so the fact that you know we contacted you is is, is not a secret. It's, it's kind of something that fuels me, and so that's why we brought you on, kind of a, a brand synergy kind of thing. But uh, I used to work overnights uh, doing retail grocery store resets. And uh, one of my uh, go-tos was my giant black thermos uh, full of coffee. And uh, I I typically like to make my coffee very strong. Uh, Not quite that big, Jim, but, you know, big enough. (laughs) It fit a whole pot, so if it tells you how big that coffee mug was. But uh, I used to make my coffee extraordinarily strong. Well, there was one moment where... I didn't get up in time and my wife made the coffee for me and she knows that I like to make it strong. So she didn't follow the instructions on the package. She just scooped and scooped and scooped and just put a whole shitload of death wish coffee in the coffee maker. And, uh, let me tell you, it woke me up and I was, I could see through time. Yes. I could see through time. It was, that's what we're going for. Yeah. I could vibrate through walls like the flash. It was fantastic. Uh, my stomach didn't think so after a while because I drank
1: it all. But, uh, oh boy. Hey, you know, if it's too loud, you're too old. If you can't handle exactly. it, buddy, no. But, but, uh, oh, I'm, that's, oh, God, I'm even that's... drinking
0: it still. See, look, I got the, that's what Heck I'm drinking yeah. today. Yeah, there it
1: is. So, the Death Pods, the K
0: Cup version. But, uh, no, like I said, I, and, and in fact, I thought it'd be funny, is, uh, I was trying to get in touch with the guys from Liquid Death Water. Mm-hmm. to try and uh get them to link up with you guys and do some kind of uh synergy with that. We've been like talking. To May... Oh, have you? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've been talking. Those guys are great Death and, uh... Wish Coffee with liquid death water. Uh, I mean, yeah.
2: We we we're we're waiting for the right there. way to make it happen in like the right moment. But uh they they've got a great team over there of creative people and we've kicked we've had some really fun uh phone calls actually of kicking around some That's some creative ideas. Awesome. So I wouldn't be Stay surprised tuned. if in the future, yeah, you see, like, some sort of liquid death, that there's coffee collaboration. Yes, be-
1: I love those guys, too, because my, my day job, I've worked in marketing and advertising for 20 years. I'm a copywriter, and I'm working on travel writing right now, but I, I always appreciate good marketing Yeah. and looking at uh, liquid Death's marketing, where they were actually taking the um, the negative comments that we get on Facebook so and Twitter good. and turning them into an ad and saying, you know, like like like, uh, like Evan just said, you know, I, I drank an extra strong cup of um of Death Wish and it, it you know it got me through my day but holy shit um, those guys taking the the, the screenshots of the, the negative comments and going yeah you know what yeah if you, if you don't like it you know don't, don't buy it but this is for a very specific kind of person who really needs to have a little bit of an extra kick in the ass and and for those people we love you thanks for buying our shit but you know anybody if you yeah, don't it like works. it don't buy it you know we don't really care it's not for you it's, and so I love totally that great. I love anybody that's able to take something negative and just make make to just spin gold out of straw I just love seeing that kind of shit.
2: Me too, me too. And that's why, you know, like I said, there are a bunch of good guys over there. And, like, again, it's synergy within brands because, like, I, I, we're all about that as well. I have to mention, too, again, I, I'll I'll plug you guys, you know, use Fuel Your Fandom it. on deathwishcoffee.com for, for a 10% discount. And if you get our coffee and it's your first time trying it, we, since day one until this day, we still have it. We have 100% no bullshit guarantee, 100%. Like, you get the coffee and it's not for you, that's fine. It's, sometimes it's just not. Yeah, everybody has different tastes and different preferences, and that's not what you like. But um, give it a shot, and literally you have no worries because you could just contact us back, and we'll refund you. Yeah, See, I enjoy now, the K-Cups, yeah. too. The thing
1: that blew me away the most about it is that you, you hear the world's strongest coffee, and you think to yourself, ah, oh, this is going to be just a, a bitter pucker fest, but it's, you're doing it for the effect. It's fucking dynamite coffee. I mean, you know, yeah. it, it tastes amazing. It's not like... It's not like, oh, please, bartender, pour my drink extra strong, and you kind of right. wince like a, you know, like getting it down, like a, like going back to those Westerns again, you know. That's the, the way that you conveyed on film. You took your shot and you, <laughs> and you slammed the, the shot glass down. Um, for being as strong as it is and for kicking you in the ass as hard as it does, this is fucking amazing coffee. I mean, it really is. I'm not just blowing sunshine up your ass because you're here. It really is great coffee, and I can't right. Recommend and,
0: it. Right, and enough. they're definitely not paying us to say this, guys. This is absolutely no, no, something they are not. we feel from the heart, so.
2: Well,
1: well, we, we got all hold you guys what to come is. on here because we believe in the coffee, because we want to get the word out about it in whatever small way we can. Um, you know, nobody's nobody's paying us to say it, but we, we anytime we promote something or anytime we talk about something favorably, it's because we genuinely love it. So we're thrilled that you uh, were able to come on and and, uh, and help us to k- kind of get the word out to anybody who might not have, be aware of the brand yet.
2: Well, thank you guys so much. And like, you know, I, I try to educate people on it, too, because there's so much now. Like when we started again in, in 2012 and Mike finally came up with it, with the the blend of the coffee and. And started putting it on the market. There was no such thing as like the world's strongest coffee. There's a lot of copycats out there. There's even Starbucks oh, yeah. themselves have started that double shot and like all that. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because of us, but I like to tell people it is. You know, like, <laughs> like, like, I, like I, 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 a lot of that is out there. But a lot of brands that are copycats of us what the problem is is that they're they're boasting way more caffeine content than we are right they're oh well we're way more caffeinated than definitely they're was. shock no. valuing the reason why it's not even shock value the reason why is is they're actually adding chemicals to your brew they're actually adding more chemical Ooh. caffeine to your brew so you're going to get that battery acid you're going to get that like that yeah. the terribleness in there um because it's not organic and what we do our blends are 100% certified organic. We also are fair trade, which is a lot. what a lot of people really That's want so huge. In, their, in their products, too. We ensure that the, the farms that we work with and the communities of those farmers that we work with are taken care of and are getting the premium price for the work that they're doing. And that we do that across the board on all of our products. But on top of that, the reason why we are 100% the world's strongest coffee with no bullshit is because of what we were able to figure out from a scientific way. We're not adding extra chemicals. We're not adding bullshit into your coffee. We're taking a blend of Arabica and Robusta beans, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it, because coffee's crazy, and it's an actual science, and it's nuts. <laughs> yeah. But we're taking a blend of both of those beans, right? And then the roast process that we put, Instill still in our death wish, in our OG dark roast blend, our world's strongest blend, the roast process that we do unlocks that caffeine without allowing it to be roasted away. So we're actually retaining the most, the utmost amount of caffeine that you possibly can. And for those of you who might not know, when I started in this company, I thought coffee came from the button that said coffee on the coffee machine. I had no idea (laughs) that there was all this mad science behind it. And when I talk about, like, we've really dialed in our roasting process, what that means is, is, and I've learned this in this industry, which is nuts, you can change as you're roasting beans, right, from a green, you know, just freshly picked coffee bean to the, the black oily bean that you get, that roasted coffee bean. And however long of that process that you're going to take, if you change as it's roasting that process a thousandth of a percent of a degree, you're going to get a different cup of coffee you're going to yeah. you're going to get a different cup of coffee from a caffeine from a taste from a from all the different types of profiles. So when you think about that in a scientific term, the permutations are endless of how you can For actually sure. roast coffee, right? Because you could change it and add extra time, less time, however yeah. you want, and the formula that you come up with is going to get you a specific type as to what it is. And we were able to really unlock that and i always like to 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 make this parallel that secret coca-cola formula of yeah. you know of that of that that thing that we have that nobody else has and and again that that's a real thing like you can make coca-cola at home but coca-cola has that they literally have a formula in a safe That is because you cannot replicate exactly what they do, right? Like, now you don't need me to tell you you're absolutely right
1: because you've forgotten more about this shit than I will ever know. But I was, uh, my ex wife used to uh, be a barista and she actually managed a caribou coffee because we lived in Minnesota at the time. Oh, nice. And she at one point did a tour of their headquarters and like the main roasting facility. And the guy who was their head roaster, whose name escapes me at the moment, this we're talking maybe 10 years ago now that she told me this story, um, he'd come over from Starbucks. Uh huh. And he said, I came over to Caribou from Starbucks because, and again, I don't want to like, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and besmirch your reputation by like bad mouth in the competition. But he said, you know, Starbucks is a very standardized procedure. For roasting their beans. No matter what the bean is, no matter where it comes from, no matter, no matter what the optimum time and temperature roasting is. Start, Starbucks kind of dumps all their beans in a hopper and they turn it up to, to high on on both dials for time and temperature and they just let it go. Right. And that's why, like, I'm a super taster. So, you know, a super tasters, and I'm on a couple of web forums and shit that talks about this. We refer to Starbucks as Charbucks because all the beans taste super burned. It's fine for the morning if you want to go and get a cup of coffee whatever. It's okay. You can dump enough sugar and syrup and shit into it. It's, it's You can get it down. But he said that Caribou did the same thing. They actually would experiment with small batches every time they'd get a bunch of beans in to find out what the optimum time and temperature roast was for certain caffeine content, certain flavor, certain colors, certain textures, certain notes. And he said, coming over here to Caribou, I actually work for a company that respects coffee, that understands the beans, that understands how to unlock the potential in the the, the basis of the product. Whereas he's like, you know, again, I don't want to yeah, uh, get any backsplash on you, Jeff, but like, you know, it's Starbucks, they didn't really give a shit. They just kind of dumped everything in a boop, boop. They just turned it up. So, you know, again, not that you need, I, I know nothing about this stuff and, and you have all the credibility, but I can absolutely back up what you said about making sure that you know that you're, you're doing what's, you're doing right by the bean mm-hmm. to get, the optimum flavor, texture, color, aroma, caffeine content—it's. It, you're right. It's. It's a very precise science.
2: It's crazy. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: That's the Coffee kind world of mad stuff. science I can get behind. I tell you that. But and you guys have got a couple of different brands out now. You got the the medium roast now that you guys do. I haven't had an opportunity to try that one yet. And then I'll, uh, I'll you have got a pumpkin chai. Uh, I I would not besmirch your take away the opportunity for you to caffeinate me in any possible way you would choose to sir
2: yeah we we, we've always been on the dark roast the 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 Deathwish og dark roast there and just recently we we put it through research and development we came out with a medium roast and we're really we're really proud of it what's great about the medium roast is it's still a very highly caffeinated blend um it's just a light bit of a lighter cup so if that's what you're looking for you know like if you don't want that darker roast you want that little bit of a medium roast it's also a little bit, it's actually adding a bean to it, which is also really cool. Mm. I'll give you this, like dark roast, what we do is is we blend beans from uh, a specific farm in India and a specific farm in Peru, and uh, in the medium roast, we take those same two beans, but we also blend a third bean from a farm in Ethiopia, and uh, it just adds that little bit of lightness to it, a little bit different of a, of a flavor profile, and we're really proud of that roast
0: science yeah I'm looking forward to trying it for sure well uh we, we i mean we, did, we didn't even get to the conversation we were gonna have we might have to have you on again
2: but uh, <laughs> uh i would be happy was... to be back <laughs>
0: it's been it's been amazing to talk to you and uh for all of our fans out there that may or may not know uh what it is that you do specifically uh why don't you let them know where they can find the the fine fine podcasting work that you do and how to get in touch with you and find your your whole sphere of influence? Sure, sure. Them?
2: So um, obviously, you're going to want to follow Deathwish Coffee on all social media. You're going to see me pop up there a lot because I am the content creator over at Deathwish Coffee. Um, I originally got hired at the the company to helm the podcast Fueled by Deathcast, which been on a little bit of a hiatus, but we will be back. That is available on. Spotify and iTunes and you can find a lot of I got very heavily into a lot of video content uh, related to that as well um, on YouTube. So you can find that on our YouTube. And we also are just about to kick off our Twitch channel as well for all you video gamers out there. So we got going to have a lot of content on there as well. And to give you guys just a little bit of that. So, uh, you know, it's kind of in line exactly with the show that you're listening to right now. Fuel by Deathcast is all about. We are like the the elevator pitch is that we're all fueled by the same thing. Right. We're all fueled by death. So we I talk to different people from like you guys are from all different walks of life about what fuels them to do the things that they do. Like, you know, like what what gets you out of bed in the morning and what keeps you going? What why are why are you? The person that you are at this moment because we're all going to get to that finish line we all want to leave this world a little different before we do so let's let's kind of dive into those stories and um like i said you can find that where wherever podcasts are found
1: Absolutely. it's a great podcast i listen i just listened to the mudbane episode uh, specifically because um back in the day um uh, before i started doing the job i do now i used to uh to work at a big box music store in the drum section because I've been playing drums for a very, very long time. And at one point, um, we had these guys come in, um, these four dudes who obviously were in a band. You know, you, if you're in a band, you can spot your own. Oh, yeah. And they came in with this other guy who was a suit, obviously not in a band, and it was the dudes from Mudvayne. Uh, They're from Illinois, if I remember right, and they came up to Milwaukee with a blank check from their record label to buy some equipment because they were going to be heading out on the road. And I had just read a book by a guy named Jake Slichter, who was the drummer, uh, still is the drummer of Semisonic, and he was talking about, you know, when the label takes you out to lunch, takes you out shopping, watch what they write on the receipt. They actually write the name of your band on the receipt because it comes out of your recoupable debt, Uh, which is like the money that the, the label fronts, or, you know, back in the day when they used to still have record labels and bands that got signed. They would front money to record your record, send you on tour, promote you, and you as a band would not see a dime out of your record sales till you paid all that back to the label. So I remember thinking to myself, oh man, these guys got a blank check from Sony or whoever the label was at the time, and they're buying all this really, really top-notch equipment, and I personally dealt with the drummer, and we were helping to pick out cymbals and a kit and everything, and I thought to myself, boy, I hope these cats do well, I hope they make it, because uh, if they don't, they're spending a whole lot of label money they're going to be on the hook for. And, <laughs> you know, obviously they did fine. So I listened to that, thinking, you know, 20 years ago, these guys came in as an unknown, freshly signed band and bought gear from me so i want to see how they're doing and check up on that so great great show great episode it's it's an amazing podcast and i highly recommend everybody check it out
2: thanks yeah no that was the last one that we were actually putting out before we went on hiatus and it was it was great to talk with Chad, uh, Chad Gray, the singer of Mudvayne, there, and he's also the singer of Hell Yeah. We talk about the early days of Mudvayne and Hell Yeah, and we talk about his love of cooking too, which I didn't know was a thing. In yeah. fact, I'm still I'm still talking to him to try to get him to like start a cooking show because <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd just be amazing, <laughs> especially in full makeup. I think that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, but we'll, uh, but, we'll, but we'll, yeah, like that's what's great about that doing a podcast like that. Like you guys know too, it's being able to just talk to interesting people and just you know get some stories, uh, you know, about life that you know you might not you might not have heard. So
0: absolutely for real. And it's funny the the first episode I listened to uh, in doing research for the show today was uh, uh, you talked to uh, the guy who played Farkas. I think his name's Zach Ward.
2: Yeah, Zach Ward. Uh, yeah, from uh, Christmas Story.
0: The right, boy. and I'd. I had just recently, we had a store in town called the Toy Box Collectibles. Shout out to Ryan. How you doing, Ryan? But uh, we were talking. I went in there, and I don't know what brought it up, but uh, we were talking about Christmas Story at one point. And I'm like, isn't Farkas dead? Isn't that the guy, the bully? The, didn't he die? And we had to Google it and look him up. And it's like, oh, no, he's directing, and he's still acting, and all this shit. And, it's like, and then like a week later, I'm I'm listening to you talk to the guy. And I'm like, oh, hey, look, he is still alive. Good for him.
2: He's a great yeah. dude. It was cool a to talk to him driving. about, like, yeah, it was cool to talk to him about, like, Christmas Story and everything, but, like, again, like, how fandoms, like, you know, shift and change. Like, he talks about, like, you know, even being a kid, like, as an actor, he liked what he was doing, but he was always, like, interested in horror and interested in, yeah. like, actually directing and creating horror, like, making something like that. So yeah. he's got some really cool films that are out. In fact, if anybody's listening, uh Amazon Prime uh uh you know subscriber uh one of his one of my favorites is a movie he did called restoration and it, it's creepy and uh it's it he not only directed it but he stars in it too which is like super double duty we talked a little bit about that on the show and that was that was awesome well, i'm gonna have to check that one out but
0: uh well we don't want to eat up too much more of your time today uh jeff we do appreciate you coming on with us here and uh Uh, spinning some yarn with us talking fandom and nerdy shit and that's again like i said that's our cup of coffee so yeah uh, we definitely like to have these kind of conversations and it's been really cool to touch base with you
2: guys i had absolutely so much fun it was really great talking with you guys too i love your show same and uh you know keep it going because you know fandom is everything and and keep fueling everybody's because because we need more of you guys
0: absolutely and They're right and back at you you heard it here first guys so uh again uh we want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of the feel your fandom podcast if you want to find us online once again you could find us at feelyourfandom at gmail.com you could find us on facebook facebook.com forward slash feelyourfandom
1: booking at gmail.com is where you want to send show ideas. You can find us on Twitter at Fuel underscore Your and Instagram at Fuel Your Fandom. And uh, really wherever fine podcasts are sold is where you can plug us into your ear holes. Absolutely. From the bottom of our heart, we want to
0: thank you for joining us today and just uh, taking the time out of your busy, hectic schedules to fuel your own fandoms. And it's funny that you mentioned that, Jeff, because we have a saying we like to put out every time we end a podcast. It's kind of how we feel and kind of from the bottom of our hearts, how we wish to leave all of our guests. And that is that everything is fandom and fandom is everything. Take care.